From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 520, Configuration Manager 2016, with guest Stephen Rahi. Recorded Monday, January 30th, 2017. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Stephen Rahi, who has supported System Center products for Microsoft since 1999 and currently works in the Enterprise Services Division. He hosts a popular System Center blog, has served as an author and technical editor for several System Center books, and has been an active participant and speaker at various community events for the past several years. He's also traveled extensively within the U.S. internationally, helping customers learn and better make use of those System Center products. Welcome, sir. How are you? Thank you. Are you still a premier field engineer? I am, yes. And I think you guys have the coolest job at Microsoft because you literally just go and fight the hard fights. I uh, I agree. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Best job I've had at Microsoft so far. How long have you been in that role? Uh, nine years now. Did you come from PSS? I did. and came from CSS, spent nine years over there and rounds out the career. Yeah, no, and it, 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 they seem to go together. I mean, I've had a chance to interview a bunch of PFEs. And, you know, you get into this mode of fighting the firefight, right? Like being immersed in the challenges of the products. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and knowing it very well from the CSS time and being able to carry that forward and maintain as a PFE and bring that to bear and in focused customer uh, kind of engagements is a lot of fun. And for folks who've never come across Premier Field Engineers, it's probably because you're, you you have to be a special customer, right? Like your your company has to have a relationship with Microsoft? Yeah, there's uh, there needs to be a Premier relationship in place and uh, premier field engineers are those resources that are dedicated out uh, to working with with customers on a more long-term basis uh, typically for a year uh, at a time and uh, wow. really trying to help you know stimulate the health of environments and help our customers be successful so you have a set of customers you work with for about a year and then uh, every year or so some turnover and you get in new ones? So my customer set has remained fairly stable for the entire nine years I've been here. Wow. So it, uh, it tends to be that customers find enough value in working with us that, that they come to find that oftentimes they can't really do without us, you know, because, <laughs> uh, because of the expertise and the straight line in that they get. So you, you, what you're saying is you're addictive. Yes, I guess that's one way to put it, for good or bad. <laughs> for better or worse, right. this is sort of reality. And so, you know, System Center is one of those suite of products that's always been around. I mean, it's been around since 2000 or so. Like, it's, 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 you remember it was Microsoft Mom? Where do you think you're going today? There was that, but it existed even before that. Uh, right. It was SMS version 1, version 2.0 was just starting whenever I entered Microsoft, and before that was SMS 1.2. So it has had a uh, long storied career, if you will. I did have the experience of propagating a patch via SMS that crippled SMS so that I couldn't undo it on all the machines. <laughs> That's, it's like a rite of passage. You have to do that at least once. There are those stories out there for sure. <laughs> So as we're now in 2017, uh, let's talk system center. So, I mean, obviously the big players are still configuration manager, operations manager. Is ops man the biggest one, do you think? 
system uh, configuration manager is yeah. uh, is the biggest one, followed by ops manager, and then uh, I don't know what the next one in line is after that. But I don't know service manager. I mean, the list is so long now, right? There's it so is. many products under that umbrella. That's right. When we talk about configuration manager, I mean, in a lot of ways. They were there first in this idea of trying to have a standard set of templates for me to run all my machines. But there's a lot of ways to, quote unquote, skin that cat today. There are very many uh, ways to uh, to do whatever, you know, in mm-hmm. in Configuration Manager. As someone who's been with the product for as long as I have, you know, 18 years now uh, at Microsoft, it's it's just it's an interesting place to be. You know, it's. Yeah. Definitely a product that has grown up significantly over the years, and it's a product now that has so many capabilities, uh, not only in, in what it can do, but the way that it can do it and be uh, customized for your environment and, and just so many things that, that, that have been added to it and continue to be added to it. You know, the, the new way that we're doing the updating for Configuration Manager specifically uh, is is just enabling so many things to get into the product at a pace that is never we've never seen it before, and it, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's challenging to keep up with, but but things are coming you know fast and furious. And configuration manager far from a free product, but there was always the Microsoft deployment toolkit, which was yes. the free thing, right? Correct, it still is, and and the comparison there does have validity, but it doesn't at the same time. You know, MDT right. is a very focused product to do a specific thing, and that is deploy operating systems. Configuration Manager does that plus so much more right. than MDT. But but you know, look, MDT is great. You know, it, it's based on the same task sequence engine that Configuration Manager is, and familiarity b- between the two. So that, I mean. The way I heard it described, and admittedly this is years ago, is that MDT is inside Configuration Manager. The Configuration Manager invokes sort of the same bits at times. Uh, that that is that is a fair statement. Yeah, you know, there's a okay. little more minutia behind the scenes of that, but that's a fair statement. All right, all right, and and but like I said, Configuration Manager represents a lot more stuff than that, right? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, o- OSD, which is the Configuration Manager equivalent of MDT, is is just a slice of the big configuration manager pie. MDT is 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 that. It is only for operating system deployment. Right. So last time I looked, computers aren't that interesting with only operating systems on them. There's a bit more that's, things to put in than that. That's right. You know, <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. So are we thinking beyond just the driver model? Like that's what the thing I've always thought was cool is how you're able to update drivers into images and then redeploy the images. But you're talking up in, this, in the, the full app stack? Uh, the changes in just the operating system deployment side of the house have been mm-hmm. pretty amazing. You know, from the basics, the the, the stables of uh, operating system deployment, which is the task sequence engine, to the new strategies we have for keeping Windows 10 up to date, either using OSD or uh, MDT or using just our software updating model, you know, once the OS is in place. Uh, to you know, having mechanisms out there that have been asked for, frankly, for a long time, uh, that we're planning for being able to invoke task sequences within task sequences and such. I mean, the the world is definitely an interesting place uh, as we continue to expand the OSD capabilities. But like I say, one piece of the overall pie. There's an inception point here when when task sequences call more task sequences call more task sequences eventually things go slowly i don't know about that you know um <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have to see it's not in the product as we're talking right now so no hands-on experience with it but it has been something yeah. we've we've you know announced that will be coming 
I'm thinking more in terms of the movie, but oh. yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> I get the reference. Understand? Yeah, yeah, it's a challenge, right? It's like sure. you you think you want recursion, but there are consequences to calling. Oh, in, in, there in, are, in, in, you know, and and it, it's cool to be able to show what's possible. But like with anything, you know, it's easy to demonstrate in the lab. It's more challenging uh, to make sure you get it right in production. Not that you can't. You know, one of the things that is there today that, that I've seen used successfully by uh, by customers is the ability to pair orchestrator and configuration manager OSD and, you know, have the orchestrator do the, you know, some of the pre-work and then call in and start a task sequence. Uh, and then at the end of the task sequence, have the task sequence go call back out to orchestrator somewhere in the middle, have the task sequence go call back out to orchestrator to do things. It's kind of similar, you know, and, and the same kind of lines that you're talking about. You have to be careful. You have to know what's going to happen. There's a lot of testing that has to go on through that. Sure. So, I mean, where I've seen stuff like Orchestrator used that way is like an onboarding process where where you're, you're setting up machines and accounts and all of the things for a new employee. Am I thinking the right way? You're thinking, yes, that that's one example. The you know, Orchestrator is a unique piece of System Center in that it's the only product you install, and and there's nothing that you can do by the fact you've installed it. You know, it is, <laughs> it is, uh, it's really a slate for creativity. Uh, if you can dream it, you can build it. You know, with Orchestrator, and and I've seen customers do really, really cool things. I'll give you two examples. You know, one of the sure. things that we're dealing with, and and we'll continue to deal with. You know, as we go forward, it's the world we live in. Is this whole idea of virtualization, right? And and how do you you know maintain uh, virtual machines, and you know deal with having to load operating systems on those virtual machines versus how you do it with physical machines, and and so forth, and this. Whole whole lot of discussion can be had uh, about the topic. However, you know, one school of thought is, you know, folks have invested maybe in OSD or maybe the MDT equivalent. I'm thinking OSD right, right now, but but they've invested in building an infrastructure to image their physical systems, and then you you know, enter the virtualization platform, whatever it is, and now. It's almost like going back to the 80s sure. and trying to maintain a whole library of VM templates that uh, really do reverse course a lot and really go back yeah. uh, in many cases, not all, but in many cases to uh, a, a more immature process than what you can get to with OSD. And so through Orchestrator, one of the proofs of concepts I've set up for a few customers is to show how with Orchestrator, you just let Orchestrator drive that process and be the glue that pulls both together and you know the argument there is if you have an os imaging process that's mature in config manager use it for both right and let orchestrator decide this time i'm building a virtual machine go this way this other time i'm building uh, a physical machine go this other way right that's one example another example shorter so you don't need to maintain templates for both it's just it's just a variation in the workflow. Absolutely. And and in that example, you know, you would maintain a template perhaps, but but then it would be a, an empty template. It's just mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. a bare metal machine equivalent in, in the VM world. And you boot that bare metal machine, imaging happens just like it would for a physical machine, and you're done. Right. And all the customization that oftentimes happens in the VM world or is handed off to the teams running those machines doesn't have to happen. It just is already done for you through the, the, the process. You have another example, which is really cool, and it's you know uh, easier to say is uh, have seen folks put together orchestrator tie-ins that allow them to do software updating throughout their infrastructure on a month-by-month basis, so that they're not tied 
to doing the procedures that are in the configuration manager console. Not that those procedures are hard. They aren't. But it's a repeatable process. And a repeatable process begs for automation. And so through some tie-ins with Orchestrator, and and in their case, they use a SharePoint front end, uh, the company I'm thinking about, they've really built a really nifty solution uh, that's low, low maintenance to hmm. uh, to use and and such, and it just works. Where does uh, the virtual machine manager come into play when you're deploying to VMs like that? Do you actually need to invoke it at any point, or is it is the new instance is just going to appear in VMM for you to manage? That's a great, it's a great insightful question. And so mm. it, it, the answer is yes, it would have to come into play. So with Hyper-V uh, in Orchestrator, there are plugins that you can you can call into Hyper-V to get it to do things like stage a VM on a host somewhere, uh, and so on. There's VMware equivalents to it. I don't know much about other hypervisors besides VMware and Hyper-V, but, but right. those two for sure play in there. And, you know, look, it's a, it's a, Orchestrator is really at the end of the day, a development environment. If you can script to a hypervisor or any other thing, there's no reason you can't do it in Orchestrator. What's the role of PowerShell in all of this? Many things uh, mm-hmm. that you would want to do. Uh, there are PowerShell tie-ins, and you can leverage them. You know, certainly a lot of examples of, and the beauty of this is there's a lot of examples of pre-canned tasks you can do in Orchestrator, so you don't have to know code. But if you do know code, you can fill in the gaps of things that may not be there out of the box, little plugins you can pull in. And PowerShell is certainly a very easy way to uh, to do that, and, and there's so many PowerShell plugins, uh, commandlets, and so on for the different right. products out there now. Uh, it, it's a very versatile way to do it. So I I can be I'm I'm now going sort of back up the chain and thinking, hey, I'm building I'm automating the build out of a web server into a, a virtual machine host or potentially bare metal, and I can do this you know the OSD side of creating a VM, getting the OS onto it. Now we get into configuration and, you know, PowerShell can pop in there and do settings and, and, you know, literally set everything up for you to the, till it's ready to run. It can. And that's the beauty of so many things that are out there. You know, the, the options are, are pretty limitless. You know, there's raw PowerShell. You can build that. You can absolutely right. do tons. Uh, with that, there's uh, DSC, desired state configuration that mm-hmm. is becoming more and more popular that will help you, you know, get those configurations put in place on, on systems, there's compliance settings and configuration manager where you could go and, you know, make sure certain things are built out like you want them to be in your environment. There's, you know, task sequencing, which can help you get a lot of those things done too. So yeah, lots and lots of options. Is it, are there a lot of duplication here or, you know, should you be, does it make sense to use them together? Like, I just wonder, is there one right way through all of this? So I, I think it really depends on your needs and mm-hmm. your environment, you know? So there'll be some customers that have a system center. And so it makes sense for them to keep everything in system center sure. and, and use what we have there. There are some customers that might have chosen to go with a, another systems management type solution. And so for them, it might be more attractive to use DSC or raw PowerShell. So, you know, the nice thing is having options and being able to bring right. whatever to bear whenever you need it. That makes a lot of sense. Stephen, give me one second here to pay the bills because this episode of Run As is brought to you by IT Edge Intersection. 
IT is transforming and the techniques and tools you've used in the past decade or more are less relevant. It's all changing. Cloud services are reality, automation is permeating all aspects of operations, and software is being delivered faster than ever. It's no longer a safe bet to just sit and do what you've always been doing. But there's no reason to panic. The experts at IT Edge Intersection are here to help you understand how to use the new technologies, new approaches, and new techniques, all with a real-world focus that acknowledges the realities that you deal with every day. Make your job easier and up your value to your organization by attending IT Edge Intersection in Orlando, May 21st to 24th. Use their code RUNAS to get a discount on your registration. That's at ITEdgeIntersection.com, and we'll see you there talking about automation, because that's certainly what you're doing here. It seems to me that the orchestrator system center approach to a lot of this stuff, you can get heavily into the self-service side, that there's there's user interfaces for all of this, that there's, there's GUIs for all of this, so that it, it makes it easier for uh, an HR person, for instance, to kick off this process of doing the provisioning for a new employee. Sure, you know, and, and I wouldn't, uh, using our uh, default interfaces, I wouldn't say would be easy for an HR person, you know, right. but, but certainly it's capable, uh, very possible to build interfaces, uh, that would be, you know, possible to, to do that kind of thing. And, and that's really a driving reason why that example I gave you about, you know, patching with a SharePoint front end was actually built by one customer I'm thinking of is to enable, uh, various business groups to decide when they want their systems patched and input right. that into the system and, uh, you know, get their own schedule uh, honored, but yet get the job done that IT needs to do as well. Because there's this whole dynamic, especially in the Win 10 space, where it was just going to update anyway, which is unacceptable for most organizations. Like, you definitely want to do more testing control over all of that. It's just a challenge then, you know, how are these packages being presented differently than they used to be. It's not longer really Patch Tuesday anymore, right? Well, it is Patch Tuesday. Um, <laughs> it, Never it, to get is, away from that. Is, yes, it is Patch Tuesday. There's also additional ways that, that we've modified this over time to try to make things easier. Uh, this is a topic in and of itself, but just sure. in, in, in brief, you know, there are the uh, cumulative update packages uh, now for Windows 7 and Server 2008 R2 and Server 2012, you know, and, and 2016 and, and so on, and Windows 8 and Windows 10, where uh, patches are kind of delivered now as a unit uh, mm -hmm. versus having to, to deal with, uh, you know, multiples per month and so forth. Again, to try to make, to make IT's job uh, easier. There's a couple of different ways in which those cumulatives are delivered or those pack, those bundles are delivered, so to speak. But there's, those are the software updates and, and the same kind of concept we've dealt with for uh, a long time. But now there's also a new piece called software upgrades. And that's a specific category that is delivered uh, as an option through the software updates engine. But that is specific to updating Windows 10 and helping nice. customers that need to maintain Windows 10 if they're in current branch, uh, keep it updated, you know, as you roll forward. And then there's also in that category another set of patches that are specific to Office 365 and trying to help keep the, uh, the Office 365 binaries up to date as well uh, in the same kind of way, all doing it through, at least in Config Manager, the familiar interface that it has been used for years to do software updating. 
And the challenge here when you talk about Win 10 now is that represents a huge range of devices, right? This is no longer just desktops and laptops. You've got, I mean, I don't know how important the phone is in the overall equation, but there are people buying Surface Hubs, and those are Win 10. Like, yes. in theory, even your Xbox-based devices are all Win 10 as well. Can you really sort of build up a comprehensive update strategy for all of them? Yes, you can. I mean, and not all things are in a configuration manager console uh, and such, but certainly the, the devices you referenced uh, are mm-hmm. the exception that I think of. I've never tried to patch an Xbox machine through config manager. I doubt that's even possible, but <laughs> that might be fun. Actually, that's a, th- that's a session at ignite for sure. Maybe an orchestrator run book for that one. I don't there know. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, certainly the windows 10 form factors, IOT, the uh, tablets, the laptops, the desktops, the surface hubs, the, the whatever that that's a windows 10, uh, OS, it yeah. can be updated through configuration manager and the configuration manager client. I got my hand on a couple of these little latte pandas. I don't know if you've run across them. They're less than the size of a deck of cards. They run a full bore version of Win 10, and I think they're $100. Sure. You know, it's astonishing, right? Like, what what is a computer anymore? It's getting really hard to get your head around, you know. It's probably a fraction of the size of your wristwatch, actually. Yeah, it's, it's it, that's where we're headed. And, of course, they all have an attack surface. They need to be patched. Yes. And so that's why we're having botnets made out of fridges now. (laughs) So new version of Config Man came out in 2016. Should we expect one in 2017 or is this going to be an every other year thing? Or is it really more sync with the OS? Because the OS deployment models have kind of changed. Sure. And and so, you know, as far as the futures, I'll leave that to the product group to sure. define exactly what it's going to look like. However, the rule of thumb is that, that you know, they're – well, first of all, let me, let me dispel a little bit of confusion that I still hear chatter about, and that is the fact that they're really – there really are two versions of Config Manager, two two SKUs of Config Manager. One is oh, yeah. what you referenced, uh, Config Manager 2016. But then there's also the much more ubiquitous version, which is Config Manager current branch. And and so to describe it, I have to bring in some labels for Windows 10. Uh, in, in Windows 10, there are a couple of different generic flavors, if you will. One is called when Windows 10 LTSB, long-term servicing branch, and the other is Windows 10 uh, CB, current branch, mm-hmm. or CBB, current branch for business. Uh, the current branch and current branch for business are the ones that update uh, very frequently, a couple of times, you know, multiple times a year. And LTSB is that flavor of Windows 10 that is designed for very specific scenarios where there can be no changed the environment you know the very common examples would include you know hospital settings or regulatory environment or yeah. those kinds of things and so if you're going to be managing current branch for windows 10 which is pretty much the entire world will be on current branch for windows 10 except for those corner scenarios right then you need to be on the current branch equivalent for configuration manager right if you're on LTSB for Windows 10, and that's all you're going to be doing, then you know, Config Manager 2016 would be a decent option for you. But but like most customers will be on Windows 10 current branch, most customers will be on Configuration Manager current branch uh, as well. And so, you know, for Configuration Manager... And, and need to be, right? Like, you, it's the only way to really make everything work properly. That, that's right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what you want, you know, because Windows 10 and, and Configuration Manager current branch are, are essentially tied at the Sure. And and they update you know in very similar cadence uh, multiple times a year for each, and you can expect that you know going forward. You know when I think about it as conservative an organization as a hospital, 
I don't even know if Win 10's on their radar yet. They're still running Win 7. <laughs> Some are still running Windows XP that I oh, saw. Oh, man, uh, When dude. I was visiting a hospital recently, which is kind of scary. 16 years old. 16 years old. I mean, I feel bad enough about Win 7 because that's 10 years old. Right. But, sure. you know, or 8 years old. But Win XP, man, oh, man. But yeah, you know, there are conservative environments out there where that's what it's got to be. And I presume then the regular 2016 is fine for them. It's only if you really are going to keep pace with the the Win and 10 installs and take advantage of those new features that you need a configuration manager that paces with it. That That's right. And the only one small technical note that is just an asterisk just to say it and be complete configuration manager 2016, if you're on it Windows XP, mm-hmm. it, you're not going to be able to manage those devices oh, okay. with... Uh, with, I mean, embedded in devices, yes. Traditional Windows XP is not supported. Wow. You have to stay, you have to keep a copy of 2012 around. Correct. Man, oh man, oh man. No, thank you. This, it's interesting. You know, the problem is we've had sort of dominance in the operating system space for so long. We have these really long lived machines. Yes. Stuff we just didn't deal with a number of years ago. Who's got a 10 year old computer? You know, 10 years ago, you didn't have a 10 year old computer. Today, you do. Right. That's right, and it's it it's part of the battle, right? It's just trying trying to to try and keep everything fresh and and run what can actually work effectively. I don't know. It's it's in some ways it's harder than it used to be. The, I mean, the upside is, and it, and it seems to me when I think about everything you've said so far today, Stephen, it's like this is the effect of the cloud that we have this connectivity now that we're able to to check in with a central service and, and constantly maintain a stream of updates in a in a lot more liberal a way than we could have just a few years ago. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. No, it's 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 exciting stuff too. But you know, you, you just tend to forget. What about the mobile device side of of the whole equation? It, I mean, I've, configuration manager in my mind just hasn't stepped into that. There's Intune and the whole enterprise uh, mobility suite on that side. Does Configman play at all? Uh, sure, it it does. I mean, you're you're correct that Intune is the platform to handle uh, the the mobile device world, mm-hmm. the iPhones and the Androids and uh, really, you know, anything out there that can be managed through the MDM protocol, that is the, the one that is put forward to be able to enable right. uh, that type of management. Uh, there is you know, significant partnership and, and significant advantage for partnering into Unin Config Manager. It's called uh, running in Config Manager hybrid mode. And through that scenario, uh, it enables a single pane of glass. It enables uh, using the same console to manage both. And so the Config Manager console that's familiar and, and comfortable for Config Manager admins can be leveraged equally, you know, with managing Intune. And, and then there's also the other aspect, which we've introduced, and, and we'll see how far it grows and, and if it grows. But, but there's a concept called MDM on-premise. Hmm. And Config Manager MDM on-premise and what that enables is for those organizations that do want to take advantage of managing Windows 10 devices through MDM on-premise without having to be in the cloud, right. you can do that strictly with Config Manager and, and you get you get the abilities of MDM, but you don't have to put any of your data in the cloud. Interesting. It's, this has really come down to Active Directory. If it's an Active Directory capable device and Config Manager's got it. Not necessarily. Oh yeah. Uh, not necessarily. No. It, it really it really does come down to how that device is going to be managed. You know, the real differentiator is whether you manage with the configuration manager client, which some devices are not capable of having. Right. A config manager client, iPhone, Android. Yep. Uh, 
um, or whether you want to manage through the MDM protocol, which is built into the OS of these various devices and doesn't require a config manager client. And then if you choose to go down the MDM route, which there are advantages and there are disadvantages to doing, then how do you want to do that? Through the cloud or on-prem? On-premise, that's right. Because certainly the, uh, there's third-party MDM on-prem products for doing that kind of management, right? So, there are. Although he makes me think about what if there was a configman client for iOS? Because that doesn't seem like that far of a stretch anymore. And I'd be more interested in the iPad in the organization than the iPhone, but you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting to think about. Um, Certainly not going to speculate on anything because I don't know. Yeah, and and if you did, you couldn't tell me anyway, which is only fair. Yes, it, uh, it, the nice part about not knowing is you can speculate and just go, hmm. That's right. Yeah, we're, we seem awfully close. If you've got a good config man infrastructure there and you don't want to deal with the cloud, you know, there's, an, there's that's a challenge and just being able to, right. to make all those things work together. But I, I appreciate you thinking. Agreed. You know, and, and as I've talked about, you know, config manager, P- the config manager client will be in use for many years yeah. to come. But the MDM capabilities that are built into all of these OSs now, whether Microsoft's or Apple or Google, it doesn't matter. The, the capabilities are getting more and more robust all nice. the time. Yeah. And so if there are folks out there that have not investigated what MDM is all about, how to use it, what its capabilities are, uh, even if you don't think you're going to use it to manage PCs in your environment for a long time, it's worth checking out because those capabilities, there are advantages to going the MDM route, sure. right? And knowing, knowing what it is, what those are. So it, you know, is familiar at least if that decision ever comes about is, is, is worth the time. That's a good, good view to the future, Stephen. I appreciate your thinking there. That's right. Uh, and hey, suddenly a half hour has disappeared. Thanks so much for your insight on configuration manager. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate the time. I oh, hope to have you back again and we'll talk to you next time on run as radio. Mm-hmm.